0: Jeff, we are very much into the football off season, and based on our agenda today, I think we are ready. I don't. We're not going to go off the rails because I think this episode is destined to never spend much time on the rails. Uh, the rails, the rails are more of a suggestion at this point. Like there are rails, but we're like the Wright brothers. You know, the Wright brothers. They could have just gone by train, like everybody else in the country did at that time. But the Wright brothers, they saw the rails and they said, to hell with the rails. We are going to fly wherever we want to go. And there's some debate about how successful they really were. I mean, they get all the credit now, all of these years later. But I saw the video of that first plane ride. And I mean, that looked like a disaster. So maybe that's us. I mean, I'm sure that the Wright brothers, they crashed and burned several times. But at the end, they got credit for being great. And I think that's where we're headed. It might be ugly, but when we get to the end of whatever this is, it will be a journey. Yeah. And we will look back on this journey with great fondness and memories. I agree. I agree. And I'm looking forward to it. And we are, man, we are in the thick of the off season. And normally basketball is kind of our saving grace. And BYU's basketball team is really good. They've they've done really good things. They just went on a Bay Area road trip beat St. Mary's, beat San Francisco. The first time they've done that, beat both of those schools in seven years. And I feel nothing. Nothing. I feel nothing. I don't know what my problem is. At this point, I'm convinced it's me, but I feel nothing. Yeah, I think, I mean, the San Francisco win was fun. The St. Mary's win. It's just, I can't, with basketball right now, almost like, I, I the games that I watch, I usually when I, I mean I watch most of every game, but it's, it's I have to mute it and just like put something else on in the background or just like follow along just because I can't. We talked about this last week too, like the background noise with the it's like the overly hollow sound of it being indoors in an arena and so much echo is just it's weird to me and I can't. It makes it hard to watch on TV and then the refs in college basketball do not do any favors whatsoever in that regard they, they really are the worst man like the refs in college basketball their ability to just completely take the flow of a game and then remove it from the game and strangle it and you know take it for all that it's worth and just have totally take advantage of the flow And then try to give it back at the end, like in the last three or four minutes of the game is, I mean, it's really impressive how bad they are. You know who else is bad? I mean, we're off the rails here. Here we are, Garrett. We tried to talk uh, full, full disclosure. We had our first agenda item as is this basketball team good? And we really didn't talk about that yet. Oh, I'm ready to talk about that. Well, I'm ready to go on a tangent because do you know who else isn't good? Larry Scott. And he Love just that. got fired. Larry Scott. Uh, I do not understand why it has taken so long. Who do you him. think they hire? Do you think they stick with like a, a Jamie Zaninovich who's like part of the PAC 12, a West coast person, or is this the, finally the, the time that the PAC 12 says, Hey guys, we got to get serious about football. And they go and try and get like an sec athletic director. I mean, if they want someone who's a commissioner, it, I mean, Jamie Zaninovich would do a very good job because he was very good and he very very much elevated and worked to elevate the profile of the WCC. If I was the Pac-12, I would go try to get Mike Resco, the current commissioner Ooh. of the American Conference. That's a good call. I and like that. What he is doing in terms of creativity, You know, obviously he is, he was, it was his brainchild to do the P6 campaign and say like, fake it till you make it. We're going to call ourselves P6 and we don't care if people make fun of us or whatever. We are going to prove that we are better than every other G5 conference and deserve to be in the conversation. And honestly, they have all of those programs in that conference pretty much are bought into that idea and they have been elevating themselves. He is doing other things like they, I think starting this year, the American conference didn't have a regular um baseball season. They were just like you, you could schedule everyone for the regular season, schedule independently. If you want to play conference teams, great. Whatever. We will use RPI to seed a conference tournament and we're not going to spend money on, you know, forcing ECU to fly out to Tulsa to play them or whatever or Tulsa flying down to Uh, or Temple flying down to South Florida to play them in a conference tournament like regular basketball games in non-revenue sports. And so they're allowing more flexibility in cutting down the number of regular season conference games for sports that are played with a tournament at the end of the season to decide a champion and so he's doing things that are trying to be different he's trying to advance things rather than just being like oh this is where we're at this is where we go on in cruise control you know where it's which is what every other league is basically doing right like what has what has uh craig smith done for or craig thompson what has craig thompson Craig done, Smith is the Utah State basketball coach. Right? Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, what has Craig Thompson done for the Mountain West, right? Like, what has he done to try to elevate their image, push their brand, be more innovative in how to make, you know, running athletic, their athletic departments more profitable? He has done nothing. But Mike Oresko look, look, is the – Mike Oresko, we've talked about Mike Oresko several times on this show. We're big Oresko fans. Oh, Yes. Uh, He would be great. Let me tell you who I think. And it's not just because uh, of where he currently sits. Greg Byrne. He's currently the Alabama athletic director. But Greg Byrne is a West Coast guy. He was born in Pocatello, which anytime I see somebody born in Pocatello, I immediately wonder if there is like a connection to the church. But that's just the Mormon in me. I don't know if there is or not. I don't believe that there is. But Anyway, that's out there. Born in Pocatello, went to school at Arizona State. He was over the Fiesta Bowl in the mid-90s. He was an assistant athletic director at Oregon in the late 90s and then an associate athletic director at Oregon State through Y2K. Then he went over to the South. Then he went to Kentucky and Mississippi State until 2010. He split some time there before going back to Arizona as the athletic director at Arizona, he was there for a while, started there in 2010 through 2017. He did some pretty big things there. Uh, he really was the one who kind of took Arizona football. Arizona football was nothing and they're not great now, but they were really pretty meaningless, right? Arizona state was the football school of the state of Arizona. And it's always been like that other than well, always. there was the blip in the late nineties when they were both good. Uh, right, you know, with the desert swarm and all that. Right, but uh, by yeah. and large, Arizona was not a football school at all. Uh, he got rid of Mike Stoops almost immediately after taking the job. I think he got rid of Mike Stoops the year after he took the job. Went out and hired Richrod, and Richrod was great for Arizona. They won the South. People forget that, but Arizona won the Pac-12 South under Rich Rod. Wasn't that long ago? So, and then ultimately he left. Greg Byrne did in 2017 and now he is I mean arguably the premier athletic director in the in the country now I get it the athletic director is not the same as being the conference commissioner but if I'm the Pac-12 what does the Pac-12 need more than anything they need somebody to come in and show that conference that football is king you can call yourself the conference of champions all you want if you can't get to the playoff, you're nothing. You're nothing. Right. So that's who I would go. I love Mike Oresco. I think that's a home run. Um, I I love Greg Byrne. That is my secret pick. If they want things to kind of continue to be the same, they'll go with a Jamie Zaninovich, who I think would be great. I think they would be, or he would be better than, uh, than Larry Scott. I mean, it's not hard to be better than Larry Scott. <laughs> right. The guy called in a press conference Saying there was a big announcement and made every single Pac-12 employee get on a video call from their conference basketball tournament to announce that he was getting an extension. Like <laughs> the yeah, dude is—he's a clown. Yeah, he—he he was bad. Uh, so I think Zaninovich would immediately be better than uh, than Larry Scott, but I don't think that you would see like a ton of shakeup. I think he would just. Kind of remove the noise of what Larry Scott had and continue on a similar path. And it's with the Pac-12 too. They also, I mean, the athletic it's conferences. They the conference commissioner reports to the university presidents or what the Pac-12 stupidly because they're trying to be so hip and have their offices in San Francisco, paying more for their office than every other FBS conference combined pays. They or it's, they call it like the. CEO council or like oh damn something like that something with the CEOs right because it's a business whatever rather than it being the university president's uh but it, yeah so it's the conference commissioner works with or reports to a board of the university president's not the athletic directors so it is which is really dumb because everything is driven around athletics and the athletic department in most schools should pretty much run independently of the rest of the school, but everything gets funneled through the university presidents who are always very academia people and not sports people for the most part. I I just, they got to get some sports people in there, but- I didn't mean to take away from where we were going. We were talking about BYU basketball and you were ready to talk about it. So here you are. I am handing, I'm handing the, I don't know, whatever the momentum to you. So this basketball team, it is not, obviously we know, at least right now that it's not as good as what it has was last year. Right. you know, being a top 20 team last year, but still if you look at the Massey composite, Right now, there's 43 rankings in, and it's the 33rd best team in the country, right, around the likes of Oklahoma State, Arizona, Purdue, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma, you know, and ranked above San Diego State and uh, just behind Boise State. So it is it is a very, like, it is a good team, you know, 33rd is great when you're considering there's 357 Division One basketball teams competing this year. But it's, you know, and I think especially, I mean, a lot of those losses, right? If the, I mean, obviously, well, there was the, uh, the Gonzaga loss and the USC loss that were head scratchers, but then the other two losses were very, very close. And it really has kind of, I don't know. I feel like this team shows how good of a coach Mark Pope is and what he's done the team, because stylistically, this team is very, very different than what last year's team did. And they're playing a different game and it's like completely retooled to say, this is what we have. And he wasn't committed to getting a certain lineup. Like you have seen lots of waves of like guys getting tons of minutes for like a week and a half. And then their minutes go way down. And it's like tooling, like not just retooling styles of play and how like the flow of the game, but also outside of your consistent like Barcelo, Averitt, harms like everyone else has kind of been a revolving door with like like yes loner caleb loner has figured things out and they've ridden with him and he's getting been more and more productive as the season has gone on but kind of that fourth and fifth guy on the court at a time it is like you know it's changed almost week over week in the season not just trying to see what fits but guys have been playing well and then their minutes go away as the style for the opponent needs to change and the game plan changes and so I think it just really shows that you know the one like I know they harp on being the best locker room in America but it doesn't seem like any of the guys on the team are like offended or upset that their minutes are going down it's like everyone is very content with their role and I think part of why they can do that is that they Mark Pope loves to use like they try to use a lot of data and a lot of showing where they like finding weaknesses and exploiting other teams and game plan around data and weaknesses and things. And so if you can put a hard number of, hey, look, this is what you struggle at. This is what you're good at. We need what this kid is better at for this game. So your minutes are going to go down and you can have that conversation. Then it's a lot easier for guys to get on board with, oh, my minutes are down, right? Because it's, people know what they're not good at. But if you have that conversation and be like, if you want more minutes, here's like what our report says you need to do better, and this is how you match up with this. So here, here is what I know. I don't know much. But I know that on Bracket Matrix, there are two brackets. So uh, we're currently, we being BYU, I like to feel like I'm part of the team. We are currently ranked... As a nine seed is the aggregate. Bracket Matrix, if you're unfamiliar, bracketmatrix.com, they take a whole bunch of brackets, most of which you've never heard of and are really just if Garrett decided to put together a website, he could end up on Bracket Matrix. So, what the barometer or the threshold of accuracy or legitimacy is to be a part of Bracket Matrix, it seems really low. It seems like if you have a pulse and a bracket, you'll qualify. But at any rate, it aggregates a whole bunch of different brackets and gives us a total score. And of all of the brackets throughout the country, BYU is a 9 seed just above a 10 seed. They are the final 9 seed of the tournament right above Duke. But having said that, there are two brackets that are are brackets of the week. It's hard to believe, but did we – didn't we start this podcast, was it brackets of the week or rankings of the week? Uh, we didn't start bracket of the week, but if, during football season, we did a ranking of the week when uh, after the Louisiana Tech game when we jumped up to number three. Okay. Well, I couldn't remember if it was football or basketball, and it felt like it might have been basketball, like we've been going for that long, but it isn't. But our first bracket, there too, two that have BYU as a seven seed, The first one is Shelby's bracket, W-A-G, like not WAG, W period, A period, G period. Bracketwag.com has BYU as a seven seed, which, and they have us almost as a six seed, the top ranked seven seed. So that means something, don't know who Shelby is, but uh, clearly they have moved up in my book. And the other seven seed that we need to highlight here uh, is is about the same. Waywardtrends.com. Yeah, Waywardtrends. It's about the same in terms of legitimacy. Like this one doesn't even put its bracket in bracket form, but it has BYU as a solid seven seed. And if I'm reading this right, it would rematch against... Boise State, the 10 seed, so kind of fun if that were to play out. We would have to go all the way to Indianapolis for BYU to play Boise State. I don't understand how all that works. Well, you know, coronavirus doesn't travel in Indianapolis during mid-March to early April. Mm. And it is perfectly responsible to expect uh, college kids to stay confined into one hotel room forever because that's what they do uh, at this point honestly i don't with basketball especially with basketball teams and how many games were canceled in the season i'm wondering how everyone hasn't gotten it yet right like how has every because they have i mean because football you have a hundred you well you have an unlimited number of players at least 115 25 guys on every team right and then plus coaches have like basketball you got 13 dudes like how have has it not spread and they all have it already yeah it's like a very fair question like when you have these i don't know you think just with college kids being college kids and the amount of time that they had before the season and everything that it would take it down to where they like are would all have it and be just immune by now yeah, you would think so. Um but I don't know, especially given how many games were canceled early on, like that first month of the season, games were being canceled like they were going out of style. So Right. Like in football we would see like a position group go out, but it's like basketball is like there isn't one it position group. It's like it's the whole team, right? So it's right. like you take the whole team out, whole team should be good by then. Um in other news, and really back to our Pac-12 Comforts commissioner Adam Rittenberg of ESPN says he has heard names like Ohio state's athletic director, Gene Smith, which would make sense. He's done great single-handedly almost got the uh, big 10 to play football this year. Stanford AD Bernard Muir, which if you want to continue the status quo, hire somebody from within your own conference, former West Virginia AD Oliver Luck, who I believe was with the XFL. So he that was, was like the, he was the league commissioner. Yeah, well, that that worked out. And then uh, Alabama athletic director Greg Byrne making me feel like I should start my own search firm. And then Arizona State's Ray Anderson could make a push. Uh, I I have Gene Smith was at ASU before he went to Ohio State. And that that would make sense. Gene Smith was great at Ohio State. What they said, what Rittenberg says here, is that the league feels they need somebody who knows the campuses and has built in relationships. There's only twelve of them. It feels like it would be really easy to create relationships, but uh, well, and that's, that's kind of weird. Because if you're an athletic director, like they all know each other, right? Like it's not this. You, it, you know, you already know people at every school. Like I know people that work at companies that I've, you know, haven't met before, and it's you know the relationship is sort of there. You and I have this. We've never even met in person. The first time I ever heard your voice even was when we did a, on 960, we hopped on at the same time and did a call like during the 2018 season. And then I didn't hear your voice again until we started our podcast. I didn't even know what your voice sounded like. Right. And it's like, but that doesn't stop us. You know, it's not the people get to know each other. And I don't, the having previously established relationships is kind of dumb, especially with at the schools when it's like, okay, if you're looking at, I mean, if you are, looking at gene smith it's like okay he was the athletic director at asu in 2000 to 2005 how many administrators from pac-12 schools are still there that have been there since 2005 yeah it's a it's a stupid thought and he knows the campuses like when i read that I, i immediately thought like somebody who actually knows like the terrain like the geography of the campus who cares? Walk around it a few times. You'll figure it out. Go introduce, knock on some doors. You'll figure it out. Mormon missionaries, you're doing that all the time, learning a new area every six weeks. Did, like did, you could go figure out the campus. Did you ever get whitewashed? Dude, I was the whitewash king. I think I whitewashed, let's see. I whitewashed... For those who are not aware of the term, maybe I don't know how old this mission lingo is. A whitewash is when both elders and sisters both missionaries get pulled out and two new ones get put in. So as you have, you're starting from ground zero. No, there's no carryover with one com- person in the companionship leaving. I whitewashed four different areas. And then I opened one that I was the first missionary there. So kind of five. Uh, I only, and it was different for us, right? Like compared to your mission where we actually were able to baptize people, it was kind of easy because if they didn't show up to church on that first Sunday, then all investigators were just immediately dropped. Like it wasn't like we had an area book that we were keeping because there were enough people to teach enough new, it was easy enough to find new people to teach. Like the hardest part in Madagascar was finding people to progress. Like you can find people to teach all day long. If I tracked it on 10 doors, I probably got in on eight of them. And, and so it was hard to find people who were actually interested and not just people who wanted a white guy into their house. And so that was how you would whitewash: is you would say, "Oh, area book hasn't been updated since like 1996." We'll just show up to church with a sign that says, "If you are not baptized, come talk to us. <laughs> Figure out who the investigators were, and those would be the ones we'd keep, and then we'd just go find more." Well, that is very different than I had one transfer <laughs> that we taught two lessons the entire transfer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very different. I remember uh it, when i opened up an area and this is like i say guys we're we're, we're going to talk about some different stuff but uh it, i had one area where i it was the area that i opened so i was the first full time missionary to stay there there had been a few that had kind of visited and i remember we had a path or a road that had i don't know probably 25 different little houses on it and in those 25 houses there were 40 some odd families And we had like three full days where we never left that road because it was just, oh, all of these people want to learn. So we'll just go from house one to house five. In fact, I remember because we couldn't remember names uh, because there were so many of them. I came up with a numbering system in my head and we numbered the houses one through 40. And I would just say in my planner, it was like number 31 is who we're teaching. So we would count the houses and find number 31. That is... Very, very different. (laughs) And so you had that. Well, I had, I remember one day my companion and I went out and we're like, okay, we're going to count how many people we talked to today. And it was like minus 20 something in the, it was in February. And it was like the coldest February in like a hundred years there. And I was in a city that was on the coast of the Black Sea. So there was like this cutting wind coming in off the water and the sea actually froze over. I have a picture where I was like walked out like a hundred yards off the shore on the ice (laughs) because the ice was like six inches thick and like there were no waves because they were just freeze had frozen. And uh, we talked to over 700 people and not a single person stopped. We didn't even get contact information from a single person. And we talked to over 700 people in one day. So I'm glad that it all We had different, after- we had different missions, man. You, you had know? You must have had more faith than I did, or you were like more worthy. And so you didn't question that as much because man, if I, if I knocked like four doors in a row and I didn't get in on any of those four doors, it was like, I, I must be doing something wrong. I need to go repent because clearly I am the one that is failing here. I mean, that maybe that was the problem. And it was the problem, and that's why it, I went over oh, 750 or <laughs> whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Uh this isn't a mission podcast. Look, we have some but football. we do have transfer stuff just like missions. Well, right. And and that's that's funny because that's exactly where we were where I was going with this. Um, there is transfer news, and there's no reason to be coy about it at this point. You've heard about Puka Nakua. Um, I am here to be the wet blanket. Okay, uh, I've seen, I don't know if Criddle talked about it on his show today, I'm assuming he did. He talked about it on the internet, I'm assuming he talked about it on his show. There have been a ton of rumors on Cougar Board and various message boards for the last couple of weeks about Pukunakua transferring from Washington to BYU. I am here to say the dude hasn't even entered the transfer portal. Could it happen? Absolutely. It could happen. I've heard the buzz. We've talked about the buzz on this show. I've heard the buzz and yes, I think there is buzz. And yes, if he decides to transfer, I think BYU would be right at the top of his preferred destinations but this is a man that has not even entered the transfer portal. And yet I'm seeing people projecting how he would fit into the wide receiver rotation next year. There are, and I tweeted something like this, but step one is like a recruit or a player thinking, Hey, maybe I could transfer. And then there are about a million variables and different outcomes that could happen some of which being they transfer to the school that you want them to transfer to, but most of which being not that there are thousands, tens of thousands of possible outcomes. And then the next step is finally the outcome. We have taken a rumor of a kid who is maybe thinking of transferring, maybe he hasn't even said he's transferring, maybe thinking of transferring and we have skipped all however many thousand possible outcomes and we have moved to well is he wide receiver one or wide receiver two next year Uh, guys we are so far away we have put the cart before the horse we have put the house before the horse we have put the neighbors and the town and the village before the horse that horse has so many things ahead of it that it can't even begin to think about it still thinks it's in a barn for crying out loud there is so much crap ahead of the horse that it can't move it can't go anywhere could puka nakua enter the portal and announce he's transferring to byu tomorrow sure he absolutely could but as of tonight as of this recording this man has not even entered the transfer portal so everybody everybody just calm down take a deep breath uh the president was inaugurated today which is great i don't care if you like trump i don't care if you like biden we all like america so like america and let's just enjoy being americans for a little while and let puka nakua work through whatever it is that he's deciding on his own without people on twitter talking about him tagging him tagging his little brother dude it's never ever just rule number one of twitter never tweet at recruits at coaches or at players bugging them or complaining or trying to tell them why they need to go to your team or whatever, just leave them alone. You're probably doing more harm than good and nothing you ever say is going to change their mind. Yeah. 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 That's true. That's all true. I can't, I can't add anything that you haven't said. mean, it's just what a world that we live in. You know, that this is, I mean, it, it was weird because even by the second half of the day, it was like, I, I mean, I was busy this morning and I was in the car a lot today. So I didn't have i I wasn't, you know, online much, but I, like, I saw more of my timeline was about Pukadakua than the inauguration, which in a way I'm grateful <laughs> for. Uh, the inauguration, mm-hmm. man, like I, I couldn't help. I wa- I didn't watch much. My, my wife watched a little bit of it. And so I heard it is the inauguration not just like the biggest court of honor in the world? <laughs> is there an eagle's nest for the former presidents to go sit, <laughs> right? I mean, it's crazy. It was It was just crazy. Like the, from the music to the Pledge of Allegiance to everybody and their weird ways of having to do things, it just felt like a big giant court of honor. When in reality, the outcome doesn't change. If I have a court of honor, to get my Eagle Scout or somebody just signs a piece of paper and hands it to me at church on Sunday saying, hey, you got your Eagle? I'm an Eagle either way. So why all the theatrics? You know, I don't It's I don't know why it is such a big deal. I mean, it's like, I guess it is the President of the United States is a big deal, but maybe the fact that it is such a big deal is part of the problem, right? We just uh, need to tone it back a little bit. We don't, it, it's it nothing, any, nothing related to the District of Columbia should be remotely as important, or it's not as remotely as influential, and so it should not be remotely as big of a deal as it currently is. In the media, in our lives, in social media, like we've talked about this before, like you should care more about your local city council officer person, council person man woman getting sworn well, we, in we should probably learn what the words are or your police chief or Dang. if you have kids who's on the school board in your city with the school district that your kids go to all of that is way more important than the inauguration today so let's we need to kind of shift where we're where we're looking at and where our priorities and what we are tweeting about and instagramming about and facebooking about Amen. Hey man i get it uh, other transfer news Ty Jones did not pick BYU which was shocking and which is maybe a good um barometer for Puka Nakua well right but a, a good example of why everybody needs to calm down so Ty Jones now that he's announced he's going to to BYU or excuse me going to Fresno and not BYU I feel like I can be a little bit more forthright about the things that I had heard I was almost positive that Ty Jones was going to end up to to go to end up going to BYU here's what I know and here's what I know from conversations with uber connected sources I'm not going to sit here and claim that I'm the most connected person in the world but Garrett I think that you and I have known each other long enough you can testify that usually if I know something I'm accurate right I mean I think that's fair to say you have sources Ty Jones (laughs) Ty Jones had initially said he wanted to be closer to home that was the primary at least what he had said that was that's the primary what the driver says well but he reached out to colleges before he entered the transfer portal by way of you know their friend or family or whatever and that was the that was the message that colleges were given not just fans not just like an interview after he enters the portal ahead of all of that that is what he was told or that was what he was telling other people okay I know for a fact that BYU was very, very confident that they were going to land Ty Jones based on the information that they had been told. Utah had interest in Ty Jones, but decided not to really pursue because of what they had heard that, hey, BYU, it sounds like it's a done deal. And then lo and behold, he went to Fresno State, and it didn't even take long. It took like two days, which indicates to me that Fresno State had it all pretty much aligned, right? Right. So that just goes to show you that even when it seems like it's a surefire thing, it's not. So I know what buzz people are hearing. I've been hearing it for about a month, that Pukunakua is unhappy at Washington. And that really the wide receiver room at large at Washington is kind of unhappy. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I've been hearing that buzz for almost a month now. And Ty Jones left, which validated to me what I had been hearing. And now there's all this buzz about Puka Nakua. So I know where the rumors are coming from. I know what kind of the genesis of this Puka Nakua stuff is. But guys, he hasn't even entered the transfer portal. I had a conversation with somebody who's very, very close to Puka Nakua today. And they said straight up, he's not going anywhere. Other people have said, sounds like he's going. But this person said straight up to me, no, I talked to Puka last night. He's not going anywhere. So everybody, let's just pump the brakes. Maybe he comes. Maybe he doesn't. If he doesn't, I've got a wonderful Jake Peralta gift that I'm going to share about how he's got to have his pooks. Talks about his puka shells when he's trying to suck up to the vulture. Everybody go watch Brooklyn 9 But, yeah, people, chill out. Let's, let's let Puka Nakua do what he's doing. At least let him – tweet something that he composed on the notes app in his phone first before we get too ahead of ourselves it's like you know he said like what was it was the phrase like you get that cart in front of the horse it's mm-hmm. like did we got the horse has not even been conceived yet and the cart should probably still be a tree and not even be chopped down yet yeah, but I mean... we have cinderella's full carriage built and the <laughs> We're horse is all waiting slight oh yeah I, I think that is the that is the that is a great way to put it the horse hasn't even been born yet but we have Cinderella's carriage ready to go another transfer that we talked about last week on the show henry toto out of tennessee he officially hit the transfer portal he's going to be interesting he is LDS and i had a conversation with some people earlier this week and it sounded like he it sounded like he was he was interested in BYU some before he committed to Tennessee BYU never actually offered now whether that is they never quote offered because they knew it wasn't going to happen but they had their preliminary conversations and then you know just decided hey we're not going to officially offer this kid because we already know or maybe that was they really didn't offer because they evaluated him and they didn't think he was good enough i don't know but there was never a formal offer that that was given out. And he went to Tennessee. Now here's where things get interesting to me is Toto is from uh what's that what's the high school? De La Salle. De La Salle that had all the wind, the wind streak and the movie. Yeah. That's like what where is that? Like San like Sacramento? San Francisco? It's the, in the east California. Bay. It's just outside of just east of Oakland. Okay. So uh it, it's Is that technically Northern California or is that the Bay area? I don't know how you Californians. The Bay area is Northern California. So it's, it's the East Bay is what it's called. (laughs) Are you guys in your weird, your weird area areas of where you live? Um, And then he goes to Tennessee, which was a weird fit from the very beginning. And now news is breaking that Tennessee has been leaving money in McDonald's bags that recruits have been getting. You know, as they pick up their double cheeseburger, they get their double cheeseburger, a small fry, and $500 cash inside the bag. I don't want to accuse Henry Toto of doing anything, and I'm not doing that at all. I'm just saying, how does somebody turn down all of those schools that offered him? He had a lot, like everybody, turned down every school that offered him, and went all the way across the country to a school that had seemingly no connection to him whatsoever surprised everybody that Tennessee was the destination. And now that coach is getting fired for giving recruits cash and McDonald's bags. I don't know. I mean, I don't know logical people can maybe make two and two and it equals four. I don't know if we're looking at two and two and I don't know, maybe it equals five in this scenario, but but it feels like we got a two and two equals four situation here. Does it not? Yeah. This is very much if it looks like a rat and smells like a rat, then I mean, maybe he's pissed because he found out other guys were getting a lot more and they just like upgraded him to a large fry. And that was all he got. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe he just bought into the vision And he's super pissed because everybody else is getting paid. that could be it. I don't know. But all of this is to say that I don't know. None of this has anything to do with his character, BYU, anything like that. I just don't know because of the lack of an offer and the lack of seemingly serious recruitment from BYU when he was coming out of high school. I don't know now that he's a big-time stud how interested he's going to be in BYU. So that's another name that's been floated about by the media folk. I, I, I just don't think BYU ends up with Henry Toto. Yeah. I mean, I know from people that I have spoken to, uh, I think if he was very interested in coming to BYU, they would make room for him because he is a very good player. I mean, he started at Tennessee as a freshman. You don't, you know, it doesn't matter that it's Tennessee. Like if you are game one. Yes. If you are starting game one, as a true freshman in the sec you can play and he um and so I know that BYU would make room for him um I think feelers will be put out to you know see where he is at on things and you also have to remember too that when he was coming out you know there was different some different player evaluates uh you know there were different people doing player evaluations and recruiting staff. It may have been, you know, sometimes the guys are just like, oh, he's not interested. And so they say, okay, you're not going to waste time on him. If he's not interested, then he, you know, and so you move on, but maybe it was just he wasn't getting enough love and that's why he wasn't interested. So things can, things can change, but I'm sure that, you know, Jason, I, you and Jack DeMooney are going to be reaching out and seeing where his feelings are, but I don't expect him to come to Provo. Yep, uh, and that's where I'm at. Now, I do have a question for you. Did you have a chicken soft taco this week? I did not. I will go get one tomorrow. Uh, most of Twitter has sided with me. Now, when it was Dude, like after my no, ta- my, take, no, my dad texted me about it and was like, no, Jeff is right. The chicken soft taco is the best fast food item you can get. And I was like, oh. It, it really is, though. It's that good. Your dad is a very, very wise man, and you should be more like him in all ways. Your dad invited me to go pheasant hunting with him, which you have also never invited me to go pheasant hunting with you. I'm
1: sorry. You've the first never...
0: time I went pheasant hunting, I didn't even know you. <laughs> well, so... still, you've never invited me and you have never had a chicken soft taco. I'm starting to think that, yeah, you need to be a lot more like your father. Hey, I mean, do you want me to Doordash? <laughs> do DoorDash Del Taco at 930 at night? Uh, they're open all the time, so probably. It, oh, is it? Are they really 24-7? Uh-huh. If you can DoorDash, I will filibuster this show until your Chicken Soft Tacos get to you, and we can watch you have them for the first time on air. Oh, gosh. Now, does Yuma, Arizona have DoorDash? Yes, it does are you looking is del taco an option um let's see i don't even know if del taco well, is. while you're pulling it up i was on doordash today and i doordashed dairy queen and i want to talk about dairy queen dairy queen might be oh i can't doordash <laughs> it says it will take 50 minutes to get del taco to my house on doordash know, yeah, we're not going to filibuster that long all I... right before oh, I think we have 50 minutes worth of content. If you order now, I guarantee you that I could talk and make this entertaining for the next 50 minutes. I guarantee I think you can talk, I don't know if it'll be entertaining for anyone <laughs> but us. <laughs> uh Dairy Queen, I want to talk about Dairy Queen. They have I don't know where they are in the hierarchy of fast food. Like I've never had a Dairy Queen burger. Usually if I go to Dairy Queen it's cuz I want a blizzard. But Dairy Queen's chicken strips fries with country gravy to dip your chicken strips in is unmatched that is the best chicken basket chicken strip basket of any fast food chain okay i mean there's a dairy queen closer to my house than the del taco okay but but i'm I'm also very much team culver's over dairy queen okay and that's fair and i think i probably am too and we didn't get a Culver's until, you know, relatively recently near my house. Um, like I say, I've never had anything but chicken strips from Dairy Queen because yeah. I don't think it's very good. But they're chicken strips with the country gravy. If you're going to get barbecue sauce, you're just getting a Costco chicken strip with bar- chicken strip with barbecue sauce. But it's their chicken strip and the country gravy combo. I think it's undefeated in the fast food chicken strip game. Okay, that's. I mean, I tried for the first time. I tried the Chick Fil A spicy chicken strips last night, and that I don't was. I didn't even know they good. had. I didn't. I didn't it. That's chick- why I got them, and they were good. Huh. That's interesting. So, I mean, that's very interesting. The I feel like it's kind of sad how much I mean. It's probably why our figures look the way they do. How much yeah. we talk about fast food. Well, um, listen, somebody's got to go there. and and really is it our fault we work we work a lot it's hard sometimes you just don't want to cook tonight i cooked tonight i cooked on the blackstone i had steak and potatoes and my steak wasn't great my fridge my kids sometimes like to sneak and they turn the dial to like to as cold as it will go in the fridge and if i'm not quick enough to catch that then everything inside the fridge is frozen by the time I need to use it because it gets super cold in the fridge because it's set to freezing. Now that's what happened to my steaks tonight. So I had to cook them straight from frozen, which obviously can be done, but I was prepared to cook them as if they had been sitting in the fridge for a day or two. And so anyway, I got impatient and then I made some potatoes. I meant to make smashed potatoes, but I didn't want to boil them first and then put them on the blackstone. I wanted to like steam them which actually would have worked great, but I just got impatient because it was cold outside and I tried to smash them too soon. They were just not quite done. So my my meal was not great. My steak ended up being eh and my potatoes were not quite done so that I turned to DoorDash after I cooked. And that's why I look the way that I look. But is it my fault that my steak was frozen? I mean, no, it's not. It's, I don't think so. Sometimes that, you know, really does happen to the best of us. And it is unfortunate. And really, it's a pain when just things don't go right. I've never had it to where I wanted to just like say screw it and order something else, though. But I also would probably be more annoyed if I was standing outside in the cold. And, you know, I don't know what the weather is like. I did eat both. I ate the bad steak and the iffy potatoes, but I just didn't eat enough. And then I had Dairy Queen afterwards. Mm. I see. So it wasn't like a, Ugh, no, I'm having something else. It was a, Ugh, no, now I have to have something in addition to. Got it. You know, so the thing with Dairy Queen or the way I would describe Culver's to people is that it is the, well, one, it is the official fast food restaurant of retirees everywhere. If you ever go inside a Culver's, it will always be like 60, 70 year old couples sitting there eating. But it is like Culver's is if you took Chick-fil-A and swapped out the Chick fil A menu for the Dairy Queen menu. Okay. It's a little nicer inside. They give you, like, they bring the food out to you. They actually have some decorations. The manager will, like, walk, or if you're sitting down inside, the manager will come walk around and ask you what you want, like, if they can get you anything or how your meal is. You know, they try to be as nice and courteous as Chick fil A is. But then instead of all chicken stuff, you know, they have burgers and other fries and, ice cream and stuff like, you know, basically what a Dairy Queen menu is. But my go-to at Culver's and I, this will be, I'm dubbing, this is the official fast food dessert of Give em Help Brigham. This is something, this concoction was my wife was the first one that ordered it and it became our go-to. And because when we lived in South Carolina on our Culver's, there was a Culver's like two miles from our house and they would do buy one, get one free on Monday nights. So that was our routine FHE a chocolate concrete mixer with Oreo brownie and marshmallow cream. Okay. You got to go get that from Culver's. I will go get a chicken soft taco from Del Taco. Okay. I'm in. And we will report next week. Yeah, I have a, I have a Culver's. I am moving that I tell, I don't know if I've told the show that I'm building a house, but I'm building a house and there will be a Culver's I believe will be the closest restaurant to my new home. So I think I will frequent Culver's at that point. It's still a few miles away. I'm moving to a place that almost has nothing around it. And I'm very, very excited about it. I'm a little nervous about my internet speed out there, but I'm excited about the house. There our Zoom calls to record the podcast. I have to go to phone audio only. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll be interesting. Um. In other news, there was some recruiting news, some, some sad recruiting news, really. Sia Kaitolo he committed to Minnesota. He was a guy I actually had a crystal ball in for him to commit to BYU. BYU had been working on him uh, for a while. What I am told, what I've heard, is that Saya had some academic things he was working through. It didn't appear like it would be anything that would prevent him from getting admitted to BYU. But there were some some boxes that needed to be checked before that would have been a certainty. And Minnesota offered, he pounced on that offer almost, I think it was two or three days later is all, which when that happens, I've covered enough recruits and enough recruiting that I, I feel qualified to go ahead and make some generalizations here. When that happens, typically that means that the recruit didn't want to jump through whatever hoops had been replaced or had been not replaced, but whatever hoops had been placed in front of him by the school that has been recording him for a long time. So in Saya's case, uh, to help that make sense, um, I would deduce without talking to him and making a generalization, based on my experience, I would deduce that. Saya did not want to check whatever boxes, jump through whatever hoops he needed to do in order to make sure that he would get admitted and everything would be into BYU just fine. So and it, he pounced on the offer that came, kind of spur of the moment. Yeah, it, it's always weird when someone gets a, an offer late, and it's not like, well, he already had a USC offer. He was committed to USC, right? It's not like Bama or Florida or Ohio State showed a late, right? Like if there is a late offer that just makes you scratch your head and things transpired in about 48 hours, usually it means they looking at it and being like, uh, bird in the hand, I better take this one. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. And somebody wise once told me that kids don't decommit from USC. Unless they're going to Alabama, kids don't decommit from USC. USC decommits from kids all the time. Kids don't decommit from USC. And now let's look at a BYU example of a kid who decommitted, quotes, I did that for you, nobody else could see my air quotes. A kid decommitted from USC. Keanu Saliapaga was once a USC commit who decommitted before signing with BYU. Well, if we remember what happened the year after he signed, he sat out for a year because he was not eligible. He, BYU has an advantage. Now, BYU has their strict uh, academic requirements. Everybody knows what they are. But where BYU does have an advantage over some of the other schools because they're independent is they can sign academic non-qualifiers. It's not ideal. Nobody ever really wants to go that route, but they can do it. Where most conferences will limit how many academic non-qualifiers a program can sign as an athletic department across all sports. BYU in football could sign an entire class if they wanted to. I mean, nobody would join the class for a year, but they could, right? And the only thing that they have to balance is their APR score, which is a balancing act for BYU. But that's all that they have to balance. That's what Kiana Saliapaga was. Is he was a former USC commit that USC saw the writing on the wall, pulled the plug, and then he signed with BYU, sat out for a year while they got his academics in order, and then enrolled. I don't know if SIA would have had to sit out for a year, but it was a path that, that, that was the concern, right? But when Minnesota comes in, throws out a late offer, it's exactly what you describe is, hey, they're committed, they think I'm getting in. As is, I'm gonna take it. And um another thing, I mean, similar to what you're saying too, of just like people decommitting, not from USC. I think you also see kids do not decommit in January after they'd recently committed. So like it's it, you know, Victory Vaca is another one who he decommit he decommitted from Texas AM. Kids don't just commit from Texas AM, right? That is if you committed there, like you know, unless you're going to another major, major school, kids don't just commit from Texas A&M to turn around and commit to Colorado. That's very similar from the U to the USC to Minnesota path that Messiah um, Mapakitolo followed. But the victory Vodka is another name where it was very highly rated mostly because of what he did as a freshman and a sophomore and he's kind of stopped growing. And so I think, you know, BYU was in his final six that he released. There wasn't a whole lot of, interest there. There wasn't a whole lot of conversation happening there. So it was kind of a surprise that BYU was in his top six. And it was very much a surprise when he committed to Colorado. But now today he has announced that he was decommitting to make sure that is he was making the best choice for him and his family. So I think there may be similar things there at Colorado. Um, and it's, but I have had some people ask about that today uh you know with victory vodka and what's going on with him and i don't see him maybe for similar reasons to that and i think he is not as good as his rating implies just my personal evaluation of him uh yeah i i said that as well on the cougar sports insider message board a few weeks ago that i think victory Vaca. And I say this because he's a nice kid. I've talked to him a couple of times. He's a really, really nice guy. And I hope, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope he ends up going to the NFL. I hope he's great. He's just a great kid to talk to. Um, I think he's a guy who I look at like CJ Alatini as maybe an example, who was unbelievable when they were 15. And it's like, Holy cow. If they continue to progress, they're going to be all world, but they never got any better. They stayed that same player, which is still a good player. But as everybody else caught up, he was no longer all world. Could victory Vaca still be a successful division one college football player? Absolutely. He could. But the gap between victory Vaca as a 16 year old and the rest of the 16 year olds and victory Vaca as a high school graduate and the rest of the high school graduates has shrunk to almost nothing. Right. And so he's not worth shuffling things around or taking a big risk on if he is, a, if he has academic issues or anything else. Like it's, and he is another guy who he has struggled with his weight. And usually, if a kid, especially an interior defensive lineman, if they're struggling with their weight in high school, it's not going to get better in college. Uh, yeah, it's only going to get tougher. I mean, look at, look at us, look at society, right? Uh, it's not easier to, unless you're Robbie McCombs, it's not easy to keep weight off after you turn. 21 years old like you have to think about it a little bit more than you used to and uh, that's only going to get worse for him so that's a big question another name that has floated around i mean we really are two weeks away from signing day is bryson reeves BYU offered him kind of late uh i guess it was early december so late in the cycle before early signing period that he did not sign anywhere um i don't know if byu is even talking to him anymore I think that they may have moved on entirely. He has not really picked up much attention since then. He had a handful of offers at the time of his BYU offer. I think he's probably a Mountain West guy, uh, Fresno, Wyoming. I think he'd do well at BYU. But from what I hear, I'm fully expecting, and, and two weeks is like an eternity in the recruiting world, but as of today, I am fully expecting BYU not to add a single high school or junior college player between now and national signing day, the 16 kids or however many there are 15, 16 kids who have committed and signed that did so in December. That is who BYU will roll with on February 3rd. And I think that's, they're holding cause there's only a handful of spots left available. It would be holding maybe for a guy like Pukanuku or after guy, you know, schools go through spring ball, there will be other people that transfer and, you know, dip out and, Decide they want to move on, right? Like it's we didn't even like for example Tyson Williams, he was late. Like we didn't add Tyson Williams until March, you know. And say with Emmanuel Soupka, right? Like it's so there's the it's not necessarily like oh if guys were transferring they'd be in the portal right now and should be starting school at BYU already, right? Like it's normal for guys to transfer after spring ball and start their new like at their new school in the summer, right? That's not uncommon. That's not unheard of. It's usually more often than not, especially for guys, like unless you're really, really unhappy, a lot of guys that transfer, you know, are, were waiting for their time and then they're going to go through spring ball and see how the depth chart shakes out and then be like, okay, now the writing's really on the wall. Like that spring ball for a lot of guys is that last shot. Try to, you know, see where you land before you fully jump into the portal. The, the one caveat to that that could change things this year is the expectation of immediate eligibility. There could be guys who just want to hurry and get into spring ball because they know they can transfer. But typically, you're right. In a normal year, you're absolutely right because usually there's academics, right? Like, hey, I, gotta, I could transfer. I'm going to be a grad transfer, but I got to graduate in the spring. Or, uh, yeah, I could transfer and all my credits will come over if I can transfer with my associate's degree. So I need to hurry and finish these last two classes in my spring semester. So there's usually the academic side of it that, that plays a role there. And then that spring ball that you're looking for, uh, Devin Kafusi comes to mind. Like he, he wanted to see what was up, took him like what, three practices of spring ball to see where he stood and away he went. And then he ended up starting at Utah and, <laughs> I just, I, I watched, I mean, Utah only played like three games and I watched most of them. And if you talk to a Utah fan, it was like, Devin Kafusi looked great. He's making huge strides. Uh, he had a couple of like pass breakups because he's a freakishly tall dude, but I, I didn't see somebody who was like taking over the game. I saw the same player that we saw at BYU, like the, his potential, his frame, his size was just it was so easy to fall in love with. You became enamored with that size, but he just was the same player. He never really got any better. Yeah, Which I, I feel like I'm throwing shade at all these players and recruits today, but that's where I'm at. You know it. going has been a negative kind of tone for things, and yes. you know, just it hasn't been. I don't know. Is it maybe it's the PPP stress getting to you? Having worked Ooh. a bunch of hours the last couple of weeks, yeah, that sucked. Uh, But it's, you know, we do have a bright spot. And as we're talking about working more hours, we also want to point out that we have announced that we are working on Give Them Help Brigham, the magazine. And our first edition, we're i mean we going to do one as a limited test run to see how it is. And we're actually, we're working. We're going to find good printers, do it right. We're going to do a very limited run. And all of, if you purchase the a print copy as opposed to the digital copy, it will be autographed by the both of us. And it will be fun, something to do. We're going to try to push it a bunch and see if we can make it worthwhile to do like a quarterly magazine or something, you know, just as something fun to do to say that we have it. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited about the magazine because I think our first edition is going to be the off season guide. You know, we'd have season previews. There are season guides. Like you get, I mean, back in the day, right? Like if you're a Cougar club member, you get the big old thick, like 250 page BYU season guide. Mitch Harper probably has every single one of them at his house back to 1970. And you <laughs> really have, you get these big old season guide and it has all the player bios and all that stuff. And like the recap of the previous season and it, you know, everything to hype up. It's like the, the PR book for the year, but we're, you know, and those exist and those are good. And we'll do season previews on Cougar Sports Insider and all that, but we're focusing on the off season. We are here to provide emotional support. We're here to provide Uh, continuing education courses for your fandom we are here for to help you improve in the kitchen in your yard although life. we're giving you content to focus on for the long eight and a half months between now and kickoff against the wildcats in las vegas i was describing to my six-year-old daughter what the magazine would be like and she said so it's just a magazine of the stuff you think is cool. And yeah, that's kind of the best way to describe it is it's going to be a magazine of the stuff we think is cool. It's going to be a magazine of food to get you through the off season, of Netflix series to get you through the off season, of Westerns to get you through the off season, of whatever, of football content and football education to get you through the off season. It's really going to be a lot like the print version of an episode of give Em, hell Brigham. and in true jeff and garrett fashion we are not going to skimp out on this we're going to make it look nice we're going to we we've been working trying to find the right printer already looking at the right designs it's going to be in full color i mean it's going to be it's not like it's going to be some spiral bound uh, thing that we go to the local junior high school to put together with construction paper. Right. This is going to be quality, and I'm excited about it. I, I am too. And so, we are looking for sponsors. So, to help cover the cost of printing to make this a very good quality publication, um, we are looking for sponsors. And so, what we have thought of is we want eight sponsors, and it will be $100 for a sponsorship. And whatever if whatever business you have, if it's something that can work online, fine. Or if you are something in probably in Utah or Idaho, because that's where most of our listeners are, that's great too. We like a sponsorship with a in the last page of the print version. So if you do not you do not get the coupons and the deals that we're setting up for you, if you just buy the digital copy, which we're going to release as well, like you gotta buy the print version to get the coupons and you know offer something for you uh we have had one food related sponsorship that we've pretty much locked up already another one is a nice discount off a of fly fishing guide um uh, with you know somewhere uh, you know in i don't remember where he said somewhere in the uintas wasatch front not uh, it far. was like flaming gorge area yeah uh, so a little further down than i remember um uh, not even close little, to where i was thinking i thought it was a little further far. down Yeah, but the, um, so a fly fishing guide that is, so it's, we have six spots left. And if you have a business. We have five spots left. Uh, Breaking news, I just sent you a DM with our third advertiser. Okay, let's see what we can dangle out there. So I don't know what the ad will be, but I know that he's committed. So I don't think we could tease it yet, but we can safely say we only have five spots remaining. Okay. So five spots remaining. You want to get in on this. They are going quick. We haven't even really tried putting feelers out too much for this yet. Just a couple of tweets. Other than a couple of tweets, we have not done anything. If you want to advertise yourself, I'm supportive. If you want to come up with, maybe you are a a single man or woman just longing for a, a spouse and you want to turn it into an ad for you. I'm in. We'll advertise it. Here's the thing: here at Give Em Hell, Brigham, we have zero like structure, right? Like we don't report to anybody. I report to Garrett. Garrett reports to me. That's how this works. So we don't have any like advertising standards that we have to live up to. We're gonna make it look professional. We have our standards that we have to live up to. But if you want to come up with an ad that says, "Hey," Uh, Venmo me $10 and I will do something great for you I'll do it I'll put that in the ad we'll make it look pretty find a graphic designer whatever and we can do that like I am totally on board doing that so you don't even have to own a business to advertise you could just advertise yourself you could apologize to a former lover you know say that you're sorry for breaking her heart and put that in the Give Em Hell, Brick a magazine. And I'm going to put that in there. I would feel okay doing that. You're looking at me like you maybe would feel less okay doing that, but I feel perfectly fine doing No, that. I mean, that's fine. We can go above the eight that we have, you know, because that can go in the digital copy as ah, okay. well, right? Because really the idea with the eight is like, I don't know if you ever go on campus like a, of any college at the beginning of the semester, they sell those like coupon book things that are like 20 bucks or like they did in elementary school, they did the fundraising. Yeah, like the happenings book. Yes. And it was like all the random things. So basically we want it to be that where it, and so that's why it's only going to be because we don't want to deal with like, oh, you got to figure out or if someone comes in with a digital copy, how often are they going to use it? Whatever. But if you're publishing a thing where it's like, give me this and I'll talk to you, whatever, how many times you want, that can, you're probably excited to do whatever advice you want all the time. Like there's no limit on that, but it's so what we're trying to do is we want to get eight good coupons, like something, I don't know, Cam True, if you're listening to this, hit us up, do like a buy one, get one half off meal or something at, you know, at Bam Bam. It's like that kind of thing where it's like, okay, the magazine is going to cost this much money. But if I use two of these eight coupons, Eat, going out to eat at places I probably already go then or doing something I to do then you know I'm gonna get well worth my money worth out of it and the magazine is basically free and then we get the print costs covered for it that's all we're trying to do here so if you have something like that if you want to apologize to a lover if you ex-lover if you want to broadcast yourself as BYU Dumb's most eligible bachelor or bachelorette if you are a cpa who wants to offer a discount on tax preparation services if you are a restaurant if you are a banker who wants to do a podcast and a magazine on the side in addition to their real job anything like that we will accept it and be welcoming of it i agree i agree and that's fair I still kind of would like to see somebody, if somebody wants to pay $250 to become the, the what is it called in a magazine, the centerfold? Oh, yeah. Man, like, we'll find a way to make that worth it. But it's going to be a lot of fun. This magazine really has, like, captivated my mind since we decided we were going to do this. I've been thinking of content ideas. I've been thinking of ways we can make it look good. I am incredibly excited. I think it will be very fun while the rest of the world is going away from print. We're going to print. I still think there is a market for print. It's not going to be a daily newspaper. That market is dead, but I think there is still a market for print and we are going to take advantage of it for sure. And so I'm excited about it. I am excited. And that's, I think, you know, this has been a great show. If You know, our last note on the agenda was to give you an update on the coaching search. And the update is there is no update. This has been Um, the most locked down, like tight lipped thing related to BYU sports since Bronco Mended Hall left to go to Virginia. um, Like, where there was no word got out about that at all until national beat writers started like Twitter just started blowing up of hearing that Bronco Bennett has accepted the Virginia job. And people are like, whoa, whoa, what? Cause nobody was talking about that at all. And at all. this has been the most tight lipped thing since then. Last week we talked about that. Kevin Clune is probably the guy on defense. I don't think that's going to change, but I think on the offensive side of the ball, it has been a very, very thorough search and people are being vetted and they are not in a rush to jump to the wrong candidate there. And I think based on this season and retaining Coach Roderick, Aaron Roderick, and Fessy Satake as the offensive coordinator and pass game coordinator, there are a lot of offensive line coaches who would love to get in the door at BYU based on the system that's in place, the talent that is there, the opportunity to make a statement, the talent and returning talent on the offensive line group like it is a very desirable position for a lot of coaches, and so they don't need to go out and take the first person who will say yes. Yeah, and that's our update. Hopefully, that's it. I, mean, I mean, there's, there's it, nothing else to say. It could come out tomorrow, or it could take next week. I think, I mean, last year, right, like we didn't hear – it was similar before Harvey Unga got hired – as the running backs coach like that started into spring ball that's how slow that that process was taking because they were very deliberate in trying to find um find the right guy and making sure that you know they interviewed multiple people and put feelers out there whatever it took well into spring ball and it was after signing day right like it's december signing day is the signing day february is an afterthought and pretty much everyone who signs in February. And it's like, especially where BYU, it's they're not going planning on signing anybody in February. So there's no one that you need to lock down right now and have a coach in there. Like we have between now and basically March to hire an offensive line coach and there needs to be no rush on it. Uh Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. With that dead period, it uh, kind of changes the game. There's not that big rush right then you can't even talk to them either so it is what it is right like it's kind of a sucky it makes for a boring recruiting cycle and it makes for a boring coaching cycle but it's just kind of the BYU is slow and a little bit boring uh as it is and now they have a reason to be so it's just kind of a slow boring cycle and it's it's kind of it's nice though to feel like you're on top Right. Like, and it's, you don't have to rush. You don't have to do anything. It's people want to be here. We don't have to go convince anybody. We can go get our pick and reach out and see what's there. Unless that pick is Jeff Grimes or Eric Mateos, we can't pick them. We can't pick them or Ryan Pugh or somebody else. Uh, Well, maybe those are debatable because I think we still could. Uh, I mean, actually, you wait a couple more weeks and it'll be forgotten it's give it we need two more new cycles so we need two more other things to happen and then there oh, we'll go like nobody's talking about when was the last time you heard morgan scally's name no one. Yep. totally fair Dude, so, that really did that disappeared to nothing well i think part of the yeah that disappeared to nothing and then also sharif shah's wife being on the most psycho person on real housewives of salt lake has kind of that's I think all conversation about Utah football assistance now is focused on Sharif Shaw. Cause I don't know. Have you watched any of that show at all? I have enough, enough to know that I should just turn it off because it was stupid. I mean, it's bad, but like with her, I can't stop. You can't stop watching. It's, it's something else. Like, it, I mean, I don't, I mean, if I was a coach, I would not, I would not want to sign up for that. If I, you know, trying to get a bigger job or a better job or anything, I I mean, I wouldn't want to sign up for that period because I feel like it would just totally kill any career move in anything that I wanted to have. If it's just like, oh gosh, that's, you know, these, it's a different life than what you and I live. And it's, it's a life that I am glad to be far from. I agree. So that, so that is our show. Thank you for listening with us. Again, we're excited about the magazine. If you have article ideas for the magazine, reach out to us. If you want to make sure we get you down for a paper copy, I mean, we'll do some type of presale. We have to figure that out, uh, You know how we're going to handle platform-wise with that and getting that sold. We will do that as well. Um, but again, if you want to be a sponsor for Give Them, Help, Brigham, the off-season guide, reach out to us. And it is going to be extremely, extremely fun. And I, it's probably the, of all the things we've worked on in the couple of years that we've been doing this together and writing and everything that we've done, I think this is, the magazine is probably the most exciting thing, thing that I'm most excited about. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, I 100% agree. <laughs> and with that, I think that's, I think that has to be the end of the show. I've got, I think that's got to be the end of the show. I'm going to leave everybody at kind of a cliffhanger. I've got kind of a fun conversation. I need to talk through some things with Garrett to figure out how we talk about this on next week's show. But uh, kind of a fun, well, that's, that's a tease. That's a tease is what we call it. This is a two week continued. It's a, (laughs) this is the, the mid season finale, part two coming next week yeah that's exactly what it is and it's kind of emerging as we're wrapping up the show and admittedly i'm only giving garrett about 20 percent of my attention right now because i'm trying to i've already mentally moved on i'm looking i'm overlooking the end of the show and it feels like a trap game a little bit it is a trap game but until next week when we get fully caught up in the trap game give them hell jeff give them hell